doing Cause I'm about to ruin The image and the style that you're used to I look funny But yo, I'm making money Yo, see? I'm making so, yo, money, world, see? I hope you're ready for me Now gather round I'm the new fool Welcome back, everyone This is <laughs> First up, I'm Matthew Cause. That is Carlo Coliacovo. And this, of course, is the Humpty Dance. Umpty. Pronounced with an umpty. Christy Avera was listening. Uh-oh. And the reason... Me, baby. Oh, clip that. <laughs> clip that oh, right now. On. Christy Avera. <laughs> and the reason is we were talking about songs get us pumped. And there's, there's a variety of different ways for songs that get you pumped in the morning. The big energetic ones, like for Carlo, Sun, uh, Sunday, Bloody Sunday. You know, there's there's a ton of them, ACDC, Eminem, you know, you yeah. can go up and down and find these songs. But then when I'm like when I'm doing like a long distance run, I want to have the fun songs and the middle make me laugh. And I remember once years and years and years ago doing the uh, the marathon in Mississauga and in the middle of the run, I had on my mi- my run mix, I had the Humpty dance. And it was perfect because I've been running for like 28 kilometers and then I just start giggling. You like were this? playing this during your yes. marathon? Wow. That's a, right. A listener, a listener texted in that Baby Shark. You know the song Baby Shark, the kid's song? Oh, that's oh. a song that gets him pumped up. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I can't get pumped up with that because I just I got so annoyed with it because of how many times Washington- I had to s- 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 hear it. The Washington Nationals won a World Series. That's right. Thanks, Baby Shark. Baby Shark. Do, 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 do. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's going to get stuck in the head. This was a bad mistake. Oh, yeah. Shame bad on you, idea. Carlo, for mentioning that text. All right. So there's actually like, you know, there's a, a ton to get into. But I, I was looking at the lineup of um, of just what's going on in the, in the night of sports. And, and in the NBA tonight, you got uh, Golden State Memphis. And, and we'll get into the Morant conversation because he will not be charged with a crime He's going to be out for the next four games, though. The, the Grizzlies like, no, 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 no. You're not coming back anytime soon. And whether or not there was or was, like, just how he got that gun, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever find out. Probably wasn't. Maybe it wasn't on the team plane. Uh, there is no uh, conclusive evidence on that. But I think they're like, no, Morant, you're out. We had a, we had a players' meeting. Stephen Adams said, hey, everyone, stop going out till 3, 4, 5 in the morning on the road. And Morant's like, nope, I'm still going out. Yeah. And for the Warriors, they're seven and twenty-five on the road. But then tonight, Edmonton at Boston, and I, I know I'm going to do the hyper, the hyperbolic thing here, Carlo, where we say this is the greatest, the biggest, and all that, and we do it in sports. We're guilt, we're all guilty of it. But is this the best game of the year, where you've got the best player since peak? Sidney Crosby. Like, I mean, the absolute peak Sidney Crosby. That's what that's what um, Connor McDavid is playing at versus a Bruins team that is maybe like peak Red Wings. Like, I'm talking late 90s Red Wings. Like, this, the Bruins versus McDavid. The last time these teams played, McDavid scored two, but Boston won because of their stupid depth, and Dmitry Orloff had two assists, and Zaka got the winner with 30 seconds left at the end of the second period. So for you, Carlo, like McDavid versus the Bruins, I don't know how yeah. it gets better than this. Well, it, it's hard. It's hard to find a matchup better than this because the Bruins, I mean, you didn't even mention, they've won 10 in a row right now. <laughs> They're the hottest team in They're hockey. Pe- 
They're, they're the best up, I've seen since like the Red Wings, like, like since right. those, like like behemoth Red Wings teams. They're putting up record numbers, um, and they're they've got a matchup. They're bringing in you know the the best player in the game, the hottest player in the game, in McDavid, a guy who's pursuing seventy goals, that's pursuing one hundred and fifty points, and you know you just wonder, you know how McDavid embraces that challenge, right? He's he knows he's going up against the best team and players top players the best players in the game always um welcome these these different yeah. site of these different type of of, of challenges and, and games um for themselves so you know considering their the, the the loss to the bruins is still fresh i think it was just last week where mm-hmm. you know boston went into edmonton and won that game and it was a game that edmonton completely outplayed them too Yes, and it was yeah. it was um, Swayman in that in that game that ended up winning it for them. But uh, you know, we get a notes pack after every um, after every night of of NHL games that basically summarizes the Canadian teams, their stats within the games and stuff like that. And here's a fun note that you should probably pay attention to in this game tonight: if Boston beats the Oilers tonight. And the combination of Sabres, Islanders, and Senators all lose in regulation. Yep. The Boston Bruins would clinch a playoff spot (laughs) through 63 games, which would be the first team in NHL history to do so that quickly. Oh, my Lord. but, But think about this for the Bruins. They're clinching it in the Atlantic. Yeah. They're not in the Pacific. They're going to clinch it in 63. They could clinch it 63 games in that division. Right. And so, like, you, you just you, you just continue to get, you know, wowed at everything that Boston is doing this year because they've created a juggernaut type of team, right? And they're having an historical type of season. And now you've got, you know, an, MB, an Edmonton team who is – had a couple of days days to chew on this and 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 get themselves up for this. This you're right. This has the potential to be yeah. the game of the year. You know, I mean, it's, I, I'm convincing you. I'm convincing you a little bit. Like just because sometimes you know you just look at the schedule and you think to yourself, you know, what what do I want to watch tonight? There's no there's no Raptors. They lose to the Clippers last night. They'll take on the Lakers tomorrow. The Leafs are on this little mini uh, hiatus, and I mean that's fascinating just to see what's practice going to look like. Well, Mike Johnson mm-hmm. at seven forty five. What? How different do we want to see the team look Saturday night against Edmonton? Um, but when I'm just looking at the schedule, I'm like I get McDavid versus uh, a team going for history, and uh, you know it's just like. I always love the idea of this is sort of a David versus Goliath, except in this case, if David is Connor McDavid, that's a hell of a slingshot that he has with him, where just the points that he's putting out, the goals and everything else. I'm just I'm just fascinated to see what does Boston do to McDavid, and also, you know, can McDavid just overwhelm? Something we see much more in basketball, where a bad team, but the bad team's got the better player on the court, can beat a better a team with more talent, but maybe they don't have the number one alpha. Well, in this case, there's all-stars all over the place, but McDavid's clearly better than anyone else on the Bruins. Yeah. And I, I just wanted I wanted to see what that looks like on the ice tonight. Yeah, no, hey, start counting the, uh, the hours down because uh, it's going to be a fun one to watch for sure. 
Absolutely. And also, also for for you and I and how it concerns us, it's Edmonton. Puck drop is at seven thirty. You oh, know, it's 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 not nice one, one of these. Hey, <laughs> yeah, it's not like oh the Oilers are playing awesome. What time starts at ten? Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, I'll catch. Uh, I'll see what Jay Onright has to say about it with yeah. Craig Button on SportsCenter the next morning. I'll see McDavid no in the way. highlight of the night packages. Yes, yeah, a, a, exactly. Um, I wanted to do. I always like to uh, sort of just put together a couple ask Carlo questions, and what I'm curious about. This is uh, going back to the NFL. Let's go to Daniel Jones for a second. And if you actually break down the contract. It's not exactly $40 million a year. Like, I don't know. If you start to break it down, it's not as crazy as it might seem. But then I'm dumb, and when I'm trying to read a contract in math, I get really confused. But I just want to talk to you for a second about the psychology of money. Because Daniel Jones has now accomplished the first major thing you want to do in your career that isn't team-based. Obviously, you'd like to have already won a Super Bowl. But he got the second contract. He got that lucrative second deal that people were wondering if it was going to happen. What I'm curious about, how difficult is it for an athlete not to treat that money like the finish line, but rather as the starting point for the next part of your career? Because when you get all that money, it's like, I've now been rewarded. I've hit the finish line. And psychologically, sometimes that, that can maybe take your eye off the prize of trying to get better and better as a player. Well, for a guy like Daniel Jones, it has to be the starting point because this guy was Mr. Irrelevant before this season started. I mean, like, I, yep. I, you know, I joked about it yesterday about this being eerily similar to Bobby Bonilla sending our boy Steve Phillips a nice, uh, you know, Party gift or a Derek basket. a Derek Cheater style gift basket. Gift basket every July first because of the contract he gave him, which is you know setting himself up for the rest of his life. But Daniel Jones, I mean, he should be he should be buying a very expensive gift to Brian Dable every year as long as he's the coach or as long as he's in football because I think the impact of Brian Dable coming into New York has allowed Daniel Jones to, one, be relevant at the quarterback position, two, stay in the NFL, and three, be a very rich man. And yeah. so he's got to build off of that. This has to be the starting point because there's going to be a lot of eyes on Daniel Jones knowing that they paid him this big money because they expect him to be somebody that's going to get better after the season that he had last last year and not somebody that's going to regress and be a one-year wonder. Because that's a tough financial commitment to make to a guy where I said it yesterday. Do we believe in Daniel Jones, right? If Daniel Jones was a free agent, would there be teams lining up to sign him? I I, I can't see that. No, oh, see- no. He's He's been underwhelming. And, again, the only pushback would be, he didn't exactly have much to work with uh, in all of his years until this year. He had a really bad coach. They had the worst or the, like one of the worst offensive lines. Even when Saquon Barkley was healthy, the Giants were still a bottom three team in terms of rushing yards. Like there wasn't much for him to work with. And now this year, the left tackle and right tackle position finally worked out. And you know, you've got a good coach, but it's not like you were still surrounded by talent. So, 
I like I wanted them to bring him back. It's just when you see the number 160 million, it kind of shocks you. I, I mean, it really shocks you. But then the other part about this I find interesting, Carlo. And then we'll chat about this for a second. Then we can skedaddle. And yes, I did use the term skedaddle. Um, how much of this deal is a reflection of Brian Dayball's ego? And I don't mean that in a negative way. You need to have a, a strong ego to survive in professional sports. But how much of this is, no, no, don't worry. Give Jones all that money. I've, I've made him already better in one year. I can continue to make him better. I played a part helping to develop Josh Allen. So when, when I heard that contract, my first thought was, wow, Brian Dayball really believes in himself. As he should, Matthew. I mean, look what look look at the resume this guy's built for himself. You could easily make the argument, and I'm a huge Josh Allen guy. You could yeah. easily make the argument that Josh Allen was not himself last year because Brian Dayball wasn't there. Yep. And you could easily make the argument that Brian Dayball had a huge impact on Josh Allen, just like he had a huge impact on on Daniel Jones. I mean, the proof is there. Daniel the Jones didn't turn there. the ball over last year. Yeah, he didn't turn and, the ball and, over last and, year. And so, like, Brian Dable should be confident in that. But, you know, saying that too, Matthew, like, I went my whole career, my whole career in hockey, never signing more than a two-year deal. Never. And, and every year, it was always the mentality of preparing and training to make sure I got that next contract. I never had that comfort of knowing I was being paid what I believe I should be paid. I had security to know that, you know, I I had I had filled a I, I well, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. So I had earned the right in whatever team that I played on to know that I could get away with making a mistake. I could get yes. away with playing a little bit uncomfortable, knowing that, you know, I had this security in the background and I was a guy who filled an elevated status on a team. I never had that. I always had to grind everything out, and I always you wondered. You had to be on an edge. Like, right. You, always, you had to always be on edge. You weren't allowed to take a night off or a shift off. No. And the question here is, does comfort, comfort can dull the blade for some athletes? And I don't even mean that as a criticism. It's true. That's being a, that's a, that's being a human. Like the, that's what makes the greatest athletes like LeBron so crazy is that he gets all the money and the accolades, but he still, you know, is at that is at that level. So that to me is a fascinating thing with Daniel Jones. Yeah, will the, and, will the comfort dull him or will he push himself? Well, again, the comfort for some people can actually bring the best out of you, knowing that okay, you don't have to stress out about anything. You just got to you just got to worry about playing the sport you know how to play. And yep. I I wish in my career I would have had. A moment of that security, knowing that, okay, my position is not going to change. My stress levels are not going to change. I have a secured contract. I'm making very good money. Just go out and play the game because I know how to play it, and don't worry about anything else. But I was always worried about everything else because I was worried about the next guy coming up to take my spot because my contract didn't secure my spot against that young player. I was worried about you know, where I was going to be in the lineup because there was other guys ahead of me that were making more money and would never get the same decision or never be put in the same conversation as me because the, t the coaches and the, and the management held them to a different standard because 
they filled a, a, a certain role on this team, knowing that they made certain amount of money, they had certain amount of years on their contract, so they were always going to get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, like it's, and then you get these guys that get eight-year contracts, and they they know that feeling. They and that's why they don't play their best every game because they know with the salary cap, nothing can be done about it. Yep, it's uh, it's it's it, God, it's a fascinating one. Uh, on the other side, would you rather? It is something new that's never been done at Sports Talk Radio. We get one of two options. We're only allowed to select one. This is what we call <laughs> thinking outside the box. Never, never been, been done, done before. We're journeying into undiscovered country. Um, okay, I'm not going to go full Shakespeare. That's coming up next. That's Carlo M. Cause. This is first up. Oh, and the reason, me, baby. We are giving away a pair of Raptors tickets. Listen to each hour of the First Up podcast for a clue to the identity of a former or current Raptors player. Once you have all the clues and you know the identity of the player, you'll have until the end of the day to enter at tsn1050.ca for your chance to win the tickets. Here is your clue. The second clue for today's Reveal That Raptor contest is... This Raptor was a former top 10 pick in the NBA draft. The evening will culminate with a game. A contest. Each player will be given a choice between A or B. Decision making in its rawest form. Would you rather? You must make the decision. Welcome back, everyone. This is... First up, I'm Matthew Cousin for Aaron Karolnik. That's Carlo Koliakabo. It is time now for Would You Rather for a man who is completely tolerant to all things dairy, cheese. <laughs> we are going to start with the Maple Leafs. What a shock. If you are the Leafs and you can only have one player perform to his maximum potential during a potential first-round series against the Lightning, would you rather it be Morgan Riley or Ryan O'Reilly? Also, shout-out to Morgan Riley, 29th birthday, and shout-out to Pontus Holmberg, also his 24th birthday today. Hey, don't leave out Brent Burns. Come on, man. Brent Burns' birthday, too. Just because he's not a Maple Leaf, you got to give the shout-out. Yeah. He doesn't play on leaves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he done for us. <laughs> um, I, I would rather Morgan Riley play to his full potential because Ryan O'Reilly's role is going to be probably limited come playoff time. Um, he's not going to be the Austin Matthews. He's not going to be the Mitch Marner that's going to be asked to drag and carry this team to success. He's going to be a complimentary part. But when you look at Morgan Riley. He has to be the lead horse on the back end for this team for them to have success because anything less than that is going to be troublesome for this Maple Leafs defense. I'm going the other way. I'm going Ryan O'Reilly because him at his best, a guy won the con Smythe. Um, and the one thing about the Maple Leafs in the playoffs, it's not about the defense. It's not about the goalies. It's about what do the forwards do in game sixes and sevens in elimination games in the playoffs. I'll tell you what they do. They don't score. Mitch Marner, one assist in elimination games since their last playoff series against Boston till today. I got to have someone scoring me a goal in a game six or a seven, and I think Ryan O'Reilly can do that. Good point. Okay, we'll stay. Yeah, we'll stay with. Yeah, we'll stay with the NHL here. You guys talked about tonight's big game, Oilers and Bruins. 
If you had to judge which NHL season is more impressive, would you rather vote for the Bruins' historic season as a team or Connor McDavid likely breaking 150 points, which is an unprecedented number in the modern NHL? I think you could even add another player in here, and that's Eric Carlson. What he's doing in the NHL, playing on one of the league's worst teams. I mean, the fact that he leads the league in even strength points, the fact that he's top five in scoring, the fact that he might score 100 points as a defenseman on a bottom five team in the NHL, like that's that's unprecedented. That's incredible what he's doing. But just to compare the two that you just mentioned, the Bruins or Connor McDavid, to me it's Connor McDavid because the Boston Bruins are accomplishing everything they're doing playing a team game. Like when one guy's not going... They have other guys that are stepping up. It's you know, and there really is no flaws in their lineup between their four forward lines, between their their their, their six uh, defensemen. You just look at their goaltending; it's league best, right? What Connor McDavid is doing? If Connor McDavid isn't having the season that he's having, the Edmonton Oilers are irrelevant, and he's doing it playing against the other team's best players on a nightly basis. So, what Connor McDavid is doing to me is most impressive this season. Carlo, you almost made the argument for me with half your answer when you said if one line's not doing it, it's another line. They got the best goaltending. I'm going with the Boston Bruins. Hey, Connor McDavid, if you were really good, you wouldn't be fourth in the Pacific. That part, of course, is obviously sarcasm. I'm going with the Boston (laughs) Bruins because it's not just about setting history and they could be the quickest team to ever make it into the playoffs. They're doing it in the competitive ecosystem that is the Atlantic, where they're playing against the Leafs and the Lightning and, and, you know, the Panthers, who I know aren't having a great year. But, hell, even the Senators have been great recently and 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 the Sabres have had a run. So, to me, what the Boston Bruins are doing, dummying everyone, is the more impressive. Let's go to the Toronto Blue Jays. Boys, 20 days until the season kicks off. Fire you love me baseball. Up. You love you? baseball. Oh, you want to bury baseball and have its kids. Yeah. Let, let me let me just give you a word of advice. As long as the Leafs are playing and the Raptors are still playing, the, the, Blue, the, Jays Raptors. Take, the, lead, the Blue Jays take a backseat on this show. Well, but at <laughs> Alec Leafs, Manoa, maybe. Alec Manoa start. Alec Manoa starts. Those um, those get those get a high priority, but yeah, like listen, baseball it's 162 games. We'll ease into it. Yes, like me, like me at the hot tub at the Western Harbor Castle on my own. <laughs> you know, just slowly ease <laughs> into the hot tub. And, and look, hot, hot tub. There's a visual. Uh, I might yeah, get sorry. a little bit more excited about baseball this year because I've been the guy voicing changing the game to make it faster more exciting yeah and and i'm hoping the rule changes this year actually do that where we don't see four guys on one side of the infield because they know a guy can't hit the ball the opposite way and it's an easy out like the guy might as well not even come up to the to the plate when he's at bat you know the 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 pace of the the pace of the game i don't want to sit there and watch a three and a half hour baseball game so I actually might get excited to, to, to watch baseball this year, and I'm, I'm really hoping that's the case because I'm really excited about this, this Blue Jays team. Yeah. Speaking of the Blue Jays, yeah. if you are the Blue Jays and you have one option of adding one more impact piece, would you rather add an impact left-handed bat or a high-leverage flamethrower out of the bullpen? 
Flamethrower. Um, it's uh, Listen, the, the Jays had a great bullpen last year statistically, but they just didn't have enough guys that can make you swing and miss. And we know that's so much part of the game, especially come the playoffs. We saw what happened to the to the Blue Jays when they're up 8-1 against Seattle. They weren't able to retire a Mariners offense. It wasn't exactly you know the most dominant one. So I'm going flamethrower. Yeah, I'm with you for every reason that you just mentioned. Uh, yeah. Took the words right out of my mouth. You see the teams that go far in the playoffs, it's because of the arms yeah. that they have. You know, playoff baseball is all about pitching and uh, small ball. And the, I think the, the Blue Jays have done a great job giving some balance to their lineup, you know, adding some more left-handed bats. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about the arms that you have in the bullpen that are, that are the difference between winning and losing in the playoffs. Off to the NBA. If you could build your NBA team from scratch around one star player with, uh, we'll call them complicating issues, would you rather pick John Morant or Zion Williamson? Oh, wow. Jesus, a cheese. <laughs> oh, my God. Zion's out for like another two weeks. Morant. I'm taking Morant. Because yeah. you know what? You know what? He is a young guy. I think, you know, and the Grizzlies are keeping him out. And I, I think eventually he'll be smart enough. And he just, like, you see all these social media videos of all the good things he does. And, and again, like, he's on a run now with a wildly questionable behavior. But I think that could be fixed. I wouldn't touch Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson, to me, he is Greg Oden. He's Greg Oden. Can't, can't stay healthy. Will never stay healthy. I take Morant. Yeah, I'm taking Morant, too, just just strictly on the health factor. He's a guy you yeah. can trust more than, than Zion. Even though when Zion plays, he's pretty he's dominant incredible. when he's out there. But the, the, the concern is when he plays because we don't know when he's going to play. And when he's out, how long he's going to be out. And so if you're, if you're basing this strictly on trust on the player being available, it's John Morant. And, and look... Yeah. Just to touch on the John Morant incident, there was a lot of reports yesterday coming out from uh, the police report and how he's not going to get charged because there's no evidence and stuff. Like, this guy has been under tremendous scrutiny for some of his actions off the court, and they're bad ones, and they're warranted, the scrutiny that he's getting, because what he did was incredibly stupid. But depending how this all plays out, he is still... I think the better talent when it comes to uh, comparing him to, to Zion Williamson. We, we've seen athletes in all sports as a, as a young people making mistakes. They grow older. They get wiser. They get they get just better people around them. They can change. For Zion Williamson, every year this guy gets hurt. The team was twenty three and fourteen. He gets injured against Philly. They're now thirty one and thirty four. It's really hard to stomach Matthew how a guy who has these problems with his body. Yeah. And and they say that he has hired somebody. How have you not invested in having somebody stand beside you every minute of the day telling you what to do and how to do it so that you don't get these injuries? Like the, with, and, and I'm talking about like hiring a full-time chef so you're getting the right food in your body. Hiring a full-time trainer so that you're doing the proper preparation and the proper maintenance post pre and post practice and games. Like there's an easy way to do it. You have the money and the resources to do it. How are you not doing it? I know. It's a shame. And it bumps us out because we're as fans, we just want to watch him play. What's the one and thing LeBron says he does every year? He spends a million bucks. He spends a million, million bucks. dollars every year to make sure his body 
can play at the highest level. This guy, if Zion Williamson, this guy should be buy, investing $2 million a year to make yeah. sure that his body can play at the highest level. It's just, it's, it's nonsense. It's, I, I, it, I, it really, I can't, I can't understand it. We'll finish off with uh, a throwback to yesterday's poll. What is the best kind of cheese? How much cheese do you think Zion eats? That's an, maybe a topic for another day. Uh, th- this, this one's from 20 here. This is a great uh, question here from 20. Would you rather eat cheese with every single meal for the rest of your life or never eat cheese again? By the way, Ooh. Cheddar is leading the poll at 43.8%. Cheddar, that's so our plain. Options, our options are horrible. Listen, I love cheddar cheese. It is an important part of our daily life, but uh, we could do better. Um, as for this, I will take che- eating cheese every day. It. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. I every now and then enjoy the odd glass of wine, and cheese, uh, cheeses pair well with just about every type of, of wine. Of course they do. The li- Perfect charcuterie yeah. board item. Exactly, exactly, without the chicken wings. So yeah. I'm going to take cheese every day. It, whoa, it's whoa, like, without... It, Without the chicken wings? Come on now. That's a brilliant yeah, without idea. Wings. Without the chicken wings. No chicken wings on my charcuterie board, Al. Awful take. Yeah, awful take, Matt. Um, I just it, don't see it happening. It, it's like the, 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 the famous thing you say to somebody when all you hear them do is whine about stuff. Would you like some cheese with that wine? <laughs> yes, I would. Actually, yes, thank you. That'd be delightful. Uh, look, the, the way I answer this question is, what can't you put cheese on that won't make it taste good? Because literally, you could put cheese on everything, and I would. I rainbow would rather... trout, rainbow Why? trout. I Why feel like a hunk of rainbow che- trout. I feel a hunk of cheese on rainbow trout would be weird. Sprinkled parmesan, yeah, frosted, 100%. frosted flakes. Uh, I don't want somebody. Cheese on please my... <laughs> explain to me. Either it's you or or somebody in our text line. Text ten fifty fifty. Yeah. What is this rule about? You can't eat. You can't put cheese on fish. Why? I, I I don't like what what is it about fish that you can't mix it with cheese? Because it's disgusting. But we gotta go. We gotta go. <laughs> we gotta we gotta go. Because on the other side, we're gonna do. Uh, like people do look little... at me with disgust uh-huh. when yeah. I order fish and I say, "Can I get some cheese, please?" And it's like, "Yes, you're not you, supposed you to are put cheese disgusting. on fish." It's Why disgusting. can't I put cheese on fish? What's the because difference? Because you're, you're a horrible monster that needs to be put on an island on your own. <laughs> On the other side, we got bet and breakfast, and I'm going to tell you something right now. There's one bet that I have circled, and oh, daddy, do I feel good about it. I'm going to tell you about that next. That's Carlo. I'm Cause. This is First Up. We are giving away Raptors tickets here on First Up. Every week, all season long, listen to the First Up podcast today. Listen to the First Up podcast today. There's an hourly clue to the identity of a current or ex-Toronto Raptor. Now, once you know the player, you'll have until the end of the day to enter at tsn1050.ca for your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Raptors versus the Thunder on March 16th. We'll announce our winner tomorrow. That's Carlo. I'm Cause. This is First Step. How you doing, buddy? You know what else we have done, Matthew? What have we done? Struck a nerve with a lot of our listeners because... Yes, they're in agreement with me. (laughs) There are a lot of people texting in about this (laughs) cheese on fish conversation. Disgusting. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's disgusting. Uh, I don't understand it. I don't. I mean. No, I do. I do because here's what you do. You take fish. Um, 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 you start eating it. Then you take cheese and you start eating it. And you're like, no, life is ruined because these two things do not belong together. They do not belong together. Look, I, I get it. Okay, like if I if I have like if I'm cooking like a nice salmon fillet or a nice cod fillet, like I'm not grabbing cheese and putting it over top of that. But if I'm having like a nice linguine what? pescatore or like a you know a seafood you know dish with with pasta and stuff like that, and I sprinkle cheese on it and the and the and the cheese gets on top of the fish, I'm eating it. Within a pasta dish, that is fine. But even then, you got to be careful on the cheese and the right amount. But when you're just cutting it, when you've just, when you got a nice thing of cheese, a uh, uh, fish, a nice, uh, a nice white fish, get out of here with the cheese. Okay, but again, like if I'm doing white fish, I usually have Take some like, vegetables or some risotto with it. And you pour some risotto, or you pour some cheese. The Parmesan or whatever cheese of your choice is, you you sort of shred it, put it over top of it, and it gets on the fish or it's mixed in with the fish. Like I'm eating it, and right, even right, even with like a nice salmon fillet, it's like no Parmesan no, just, sprinkle on Carlo. It. Carlo, take the L. We got Mike Johnson. I'm not taking the, the L. There's people that are agreeing you're with taking, me. No, no, no your butcher. You texted it. Your butcher disagreed with you. Take the L. It's okay. No one goes 82 and 0. No one goes 1972 Miami Dolphin. Take the L on this one. No but chance. if you want to take a, if you want to take a W, I know that. Wow, this is wildly short. Apologies to to the good people of Bet and Breakfast, Golden State Warriors at the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. And I know the Warriors, horrible on the road. But there's one guy who hates the Memphis Grizzlies, and that is Clay Thompson. The battle of the war of words between Clay Thompson and Dylan Brooks and the entire Memphis Grizzlies is a long history. Take the over of 22.5 points for Clay Thompson tonight. Golden State Warriors taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. Clay hates the team. Clay's playing well. He's going to hit the over. That's my bet and breakfast. Well, my bet and breakfast today, too, is my bacon bet is Rory McIlroy winning ah. the Players' Championship in the golf tournament that's starting today. And my eggs bet is a nice sprinkle on a guy named Matthew Fitzpatrick, plus 3,300 on FanDuel as a little Ooh. sprinkle with the eggs. Maybe pour some cheese on top of those eggs. Fine. Cheese and eggs goes great. <laughs> and on FanDuel, Roy McIlroy is plus 950. Mike Johnson is going to join us on the other side. and I want to talk to him a little bit about being a broadcaster because he saw this incredible goal moments before it happened in the Leafs win against the Devils. I want to ask him about that. We'll do that next right up. Right next. Wow, what a horrible throw to break. It was a great, oh, it was a great See, cheese. Cheese on your mind. Uh, cheese. <laughs> There's more holes cheese. in that throw to break than Swiss. Time now for traffic. This is Leafs Breakfast. This is going to be such a stupid first question for Mike Johnson. He doesn't know what's going on. Our TSN hockey analyst, and he does a great job. And actually, my first question wanted to be about what I thought was a great call by him in the Devils-Leafs game from the other night. 
But instead, we start here. First off, good morning, Mike. Thank you for joining Lee's Breakfast right here on First Up. Good morning. You know what? I'm actually more excited to answer the stupid question than what I thought would be a good one. So now you've got yeah. my full attention. All right. All right. I got your full attention here. Uh, I don't know how we started arguing about this, but fish with cheese, yay or nay? Fish with cheese? Thank you. Yes. Yes. Like fish sticks? Like, I, I mean, I don't know. No, no. That's a nice like... fish. A nice fish. You've cooked yourself uh, a cod or a salmon. Well, you pair that with cheese. Thank you. I can have Parmesan crusted occasionally, which can be a nice little little crispiness outside, but not not like shredded cheese on top. No, absolutely not. Thank you. Thank you. It's generalized, Johnny. People scoff at the idea when, like, I order, like, a fish pasta or fish with sort of another dish, and it's like I'm pouring cheese all over it, and people are like, oh, you're not supposed to put cheese on fish, and I'm like... You're not whatever the hell I want. No. <laughs> like, well, yeah, you can, it. but it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. There's no rule book. You can do whatever you want, but it's a very strange combination for your palate. But and, you know. and, that, and that's Thank why you. I'm saying, why is it a strange combination? Cheese is good on everything. Anyways, it's Except just strange. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah. see, Thank scoffing you. at me. <laughs> yes, we're all scoffing at you. You can technically put Mountain Dew on your cornflakes, but no one ever right. does. Exactly. Because it's stupid, and it's yeah. a weird combination. <laughs> All right. Moving on. <laughs> this I don't even remember how Parmesan crusted. That's next level, though. Oh, Matthew. that is good. Nice panko crusted, you know, yeah, fish. Geez. Yes. There 100%. you go. 100%. Yeah. You, you pair that with a sharp, acidic white wine. You got a meal, brother. So, yeah, um, I knew the wine Mike, pairing would be coming. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm nothing if not predictable. Speaking of predictions, oh, you ready for the radio segue of the year? Speaking yeah. of predictions, Mike Johnson predicted the Leafs were going to score to tie it at three four seconds before it happened. And to me, it was one of the best goals I've seen all year. And I'm curious, Mike, um, Justin Hall, right as he made that long pass to David Kampf up the middle, you were saying, there it is. A second later, Kampf to Bunting, and whoop, there it is, the goal was scored. I'm curious, when you're watching a game, when you're watching a moment like that, you know, what what did your eyes see before that goal? Um, that's, you know what, some of that is, is, is like instinctive. Like, it's as though I'm standing on the bench watching the game in front of me, and, and you kind of see where the... the you know, where the guys are at, where the, the holes are, if a pass can be handled cleanly. And when you when you see a chance developing, sometimes I blurt out much to Gord Miller's chagrin, oh, there it is, like, oh, he's gone, or he's in, or, you know, something like that. And um, Jersey's hard to get through the neutral zone on. Uh, but, I, but because Justin Hall was kind of taking his time and looking at different options, the defenseman got spread too wide. And so as soon as he's able to find the pass up the middle, I said, there it is, because that's the pass you want to make. It's just really hard to... To do, and then once you can do that, you're going to get a really good chance. Now, did I know David Kemp would drop a sick little oh. backdoor pass to Michael? No Bunting? look. <laughs> I wasn't sure about that, but I knew a good chance was coming up, and uh, and they delivered. So it's it's almost instinctive, but it's also you know you understand where the the moving parts are, how the the chances could be generated, and and so I kind of blurted it out, and um, you know they don't always go in, but generally speaking, uh, they do get the chance I'm thinking they might get. 
That's why they call him the mystic one, Matthew. This guy <laughs> right. sees things before they happen. Or it's because it's um, alliteration. If his name was Steve, they'd have to come up with a new name. True, yeah. true. I'd be a shaman um, Steve, yeah. Oh, were, you su- were, were you surprised at the result last game, considering how poorly the Maple Leafs started? I mean, you were there. There, there wasn't much energy from the Leafs in the first period. They got outshot 15-3, to, to three, I believe, at one point. Uh, mm-hmm. But... You know, did did you sense that the the Leafs had it in them to come back the way they did and 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 ultimately get a big win? No, not at all. I mean, you watched that first period, Carlo, and Jersey was way better. Should have been three nothing, maybe more. Uh, Samsonov kept Toronto in the game. I picked Jersey to win the game. I checked with my MoneyPuck.com simulator, deserved to win o meter, and it was like seventy seven percent Jersey. Like if you ran You've that game a thousand times to the same way. What's wow. that? You have a yeah, deserve a... to win meter Can I get can yeah. I get access to that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's on moneypuck.com. It's 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 free. Right. It's uh, public access and you know, they they take the game as it was played and like who would win that game more often? It was like 70 plus percent jersey. But that doesn't matter because goaltenders are part of the team and Samsonov was amazing in the first period and he allowed his team to play their way into the game. Now to Toronto's credit it was just the first period where they were really dominated. After that, they were, you know, better in the second. And it was pretty even in the third. And I thought it was a, a very good win, kind of a gutsy effort, given all the injuries and kind of the late, you know, fifth game of a road trip and everything else, to go into one of the best teams in the league, have a tough first period, and then find a way to win and come back multiple times to, to get that victory. Um, and it was good to see them make some skilled plays to win it, like three pretty dynamic plays to get their last three goals. Breakaway yeah. Mitch Marner on the shorthanded effort. You got the camp Michael Bunting combo. Justin Hall will throw him in there as well. And then you also have Austin Matthews. And uh, Michael Bunting, I'm not going to get a point on it, but I call, I kind of was half joking but half not alluding to the Mary Lemieux to Paul Correa in the Olympics. Like, let the puck go through his feet to get to Austin Matthews because – I got to tell you, that is very, very hard to do because at that spot on the ice, you're thinking, if I can touch it, like I'm going to try to get a piece of it because then I'll get a chance to score. And to let it go right through your feet, right between the hash marks, because you know a guy's behind you, a much better shooter in a better spot, is really heads up by Michael Bunting. So good for him in a game where he was put on the fourth line, kind of demoted down there and challenged by Sheldon Keith to be better. And he was. Um, you know, that's what Toronto, when they're – at their best can do to you. Like you don't, they don't have to play quite as well because they have those players that can make skilled plays to win games, and they did in a really, I guess, a really good team. Yeah, and those are goals that they're going to need to count on come playoff time, right? Uh, you know, coming from the 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 outside of the, of the big guns, and just to to stay on Michael Bunting here, um, you talked about his demotion to the fourth line. You know, Sheldon Keith has been, um, you know, trying to. Um, keep him on his toes with this team so that he doesn't get complacent with the demotion. Do you think he's done enough with what you saw in the, in especially last game to get his, his spot back on the top line with the big boys going to, going into next game? I, I do. Um, you know, I, 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 I absolutely do. I the only wonder if Sheldon keeps thinking like, you know, maybe do I got to do another game or two to drive that point home? You know what I mean? Where it's like a one game thing. Now you're right back up. But I think part of the strategy for Sheldon Keefe and part of his thought process was that without Tavares and O'Reilly, um, the first line, Austin Matthews' line, was going to have to play against Nico Heischer or Jack Hughes. And I think Sheldon Keefe thinks 
that Alex Kerfoot is a little bit more responsible defensively than Michael Bunting. So that was part of the decision-making, too. It wasn't just for Bunting. It was also to get Kerfoot as a defensive support to Marner and Matthews. They're not playing Jersey. Uh, They're coming back home. They get last change. Maybe it makes it a little bit easier to put Bunting back up there because you're not worried about matchups on the road against a really high-powered offense. So that could factor in the decision. But, yes, he belongs there. Alex Kerfoot hasn't scored a goal, I think, in like 19 games. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I appreciate some of the stuff that Alex Kerfoot does. Uh, he's a good player, but when you play on that line, like you do have to produce no matter what. And, you know, he clearly is not. Is not. So, yeah, I expect either next game or the one after Michael Bunting to be back up with the first line. Joined by Mike Johnson, NHL analyst with all things TSN. Mike, I'm curious. So, the Leafs played a couple days ago. They're off till Saturday against Edmonton. They got a day off and now a couple days of practice. What what does the best case scenario look like for this team in terms of practice? In terms of just trying to figure things out with new bodies? It's it's mm-hmm. funny. Only one game within a calendar week, yet it feels like a sneaky important week for trying to find some sort of some sort of stability. It would have been super important with Ryan O'Reilly around, but he's not right. So like, what are they doing up front? Nothing different, really, right? Like, the best week would be getting John Tavares back feeling healthy and maybe he was just a little shaken up or maybe it was a flu-like something that he was off and nothing related to a huge hit that he took from Tyler Myers and maybe the, you know, concussion or anything like that. So that would be the best news. The forwards, you know, I think they just kind of, you know, they kind of get back to where they were. It would be Matthews, Tavares, Camp, and then, um, you know, probably Holmberg will be staying around for a little bit because O'Reilly's not here. The more important, and this is where Carlo could come in, and this has been a fascinating debate. There is no right answer. I've, I've thought about it many different ways, many different times. But really, how is the defensive rotation going to shake out? Mm-hmm. Who is going to play with who? They have all these bodies. I don't think Luke Shen is back. I haven't heard if he's had, you know, great yeah, news for not, him. He's no. having a kid soon, but I don't think he's back yet for that. So he might not be available uh, to be part of these practices. But who's playing with Morgan Riley? That's where it starts. Uh, and who's playing with T.J. Brody? Like These are the questions that they can try to start to answer so they get a little bit of consistency in their run going forward down the stretch. But um, I, I don't know. I've, I've said many times, I think, um, you know, Brody with O'Reilly, McCabe and Lilgren, Giordano and Hall. Like, that's my six. Carlo, there is no right or wrong answer, so you can no, disagree all you want. Uh, I, and I don't know. Like, I have no real sense of what they might do, but that's what they're going to try to figure out. I, I, I'll give you my six. I think I, I'm with you with Riley and Brody because, you know, there's uh, familiarity there. I, I think for the Maple Leafs to try to pick one shutdown pair would be um, a, a little bit um, – uh, what do you, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, short-sighted. Short-sighted by them, yes. Yeah! Thank you, Matthew. Because uh, in a playoff series, if you can have two guys that can that can share that resp- – or two pairings that can share that responsibility, I would go McCabe, Shen, Riley, Bro- Brody, and then Giordano and Lilligren to start, and then Justin Hall comes in to fill in mm-hmm. for Lilligren if his game's not where Sheldon Keefe wants it to be. Yeah, the, 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 I know, and again, and I thought about this, my, my challenge is McCabe is going to have to be almost your top pair shutdown guy. And playing Luke Shen in that role, 
big time minutes. To, I, I'm, I'm, I'm leery of making that decision. Like I think mm-hmm. Chen is more of a support guy. He's good at what he does, but that you can't ask him to be a first pair guy and take on Kucherov and Point. Like I don't know if that is, you know, if he's up to that for the whole playoffs. I, I just don't know. Maybe maybe he will be. Like we saw but- last year. Uh, Sheldon Keith really want to rely on Labushkin and like these kind of physical guys. And I just, like, I think Lilgren has to play higher to me. I, I, I think, you know, he would play ahead of Shen as far as depth chart. You could have a Hall and Giordano as a defensive pair. You could have a McCabe and a Lilgren as a defensive pair. You could have a Brody to help Riley, but really kind of limit what you're asking them to do as far as checking goes. Um, yeah, no right answer, but these, like, this is the conversation, Maddie, that they're going to have this week at the coach's office on the ice. They won't really be able to get answers until they start playing games, but we probably will get a glimpse into what they're thinking by who's playing with who in practice. There's no right answers, but there's always one right guest, and that is Mike Johnson, Sorcerer Steve, or anything in between. Mike, thanks as always for joining the show today. All right, boys. Uh, Bag of shredded cheese on its way, Carlo. You can have all you want. Thanks, Disgusting. Thank you. Coming up on the other side, if you haven't heard Fred Van Vliet unloading on the NBA officials, you're going to want to hear it because this one sounds way different from what we're normally used to hearing. That's coming up next right here on First Up.